Well, we're well and truly into December, aren't we? It's only 14 days until Christmas. It's a bit crazy. Uh, And I don't know if you've experienced it, uh, but people seem to go a little bit crazy this time of year, don't they? Uh, It's almost as if we enter some sort of red, white uh, and green twilight zone. Uh, People are running around uh, buying excess amount of food that they probably won't eat, all of it at least anyway, and and they feel the pressure of kind of cooking up meals that would rival the the MasterChef kitchen or something like that. Uh, We compete for the grandest Christmas light display on our house in our street. Uh, Some people not satisfied until their house can be seen from space even. And for some reason we're compelled to pose for those really awful family photos, aren't we? I mean, whoever thought that that was a good idea? Crazy. And that's all in the midst of family events, kid presentation nights, work Christmas parties and all the other end of year commitments. I mean, it's no wonder that it's called the silly season. But in the the midst of the craziness uh, that we can so easily be swept up in this time of year, we have a message to preach. A message that appears foolish to the world around us, but actually brings true life and peace in the midst of a crazy world. And it's what we see here in this passage from 1 Corinthians that was just read out for us. A foolish message, a foolish people uh, and foolish preachers. See, Paul's writing to a group of Christians in a city that's not unlike Brisbane today. It's a bustling city. It's caught up in the, the craziness of everyday life uh, with little regard for the man of Jesus. See, look with me at verse 18 where he starts. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, this message of the cross that Paul's talking about here, it's not simply the statement that Jesus Christ died on a cross. It's not just the historical event. Uh, The message of the cross is that God became a man, that he walked among us, that he died on a cross, taking our place, taking the punishment that we deserved offering salvation to all those who believe. And as Paul continues, you can see that he's talking about two different distinct groups of people here, isn't he? Both hear the same message, but they come to completely different conclusions. To those being saved, this message, it's, well, it's fantastic news. They've understood it as the power of God to save But to the other group, those who are perishing, Paul says, it's silly, it's crazy, it's foolish and it's nothing new. I mean, for centuries, the message of Christ has been seen as one of foolishness. I mean, have a look at this graffiti from the second century, if you can see it. It's a little bit hard to see. But it's a picture of Jesus on a cross but it actually has a head of a donkey. And they've got a, a man worshipping him below. And the inscription says, Ale- a- sorry, Alex Menos worships his God. See, even in the, the second century, the message of the cross was considered foolish. It was a joke. Those who believed it were, were mocked. 
Christianity has never been cool. And to be honest, the message of the cross is crazy, isn't it? God Almighty would be born as a baby, that the eternal God would die, crucified on a cross, taking the place of those who have rebelled against him, that the sinless punished so that the sinful might be set free. The message of the cross is foolishness in every age and in every culture where there's no exception. There is no culture where the message of the cross sits comfortably. It's always foolishness. See, Jesus came not to conform to our culture, but to actually transform our culture. And it's the nature of the cross. I mean, have a look what Paul, how Paul puts it in verse 22. Verse 22. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews because it looks weak and a foolishness to Gentiles because it looks stupid. So the the Jews, they were impressed by the miraculous, these fantastic acts of power. And then Paul comes along and he's talking about a guy who rides into Jerusalem on a donkey where he's arrested, he's beaten, he's hung on a cross, stripped naked and left there to die. And this is your goal that you want me to give up my life for? The Greeks, on the other hand, they're impressed by big brains, by high IQ, clever words said in clever ways. And the message of the Gospel is so simple that my four-year-old niece could explain it to you. And today, we're no different, aren't we? We're drawn to, to power to seek wisdom, we we long for success. But then Jesus pops his head up in human history and he comes, what, in weakness. He appears foolish and is far from successful in the eyes of the world. He ends up dying on a cross, humiliated. See, it's foolishness in the eyes of the world. Now, let me put it like this. Uh, If the Gospel was a shop, it would be the reject shop and not Myers. Uh, if the gospel was an actor, uh, it would be someone like maybe Denny DeVito, not Brad Pitt. Uh, if the gospel was a rugby team, well, it would probably be the current Wallabies team and not the All Blacks. <laughs> See, the cross looks far from impressive. But as Paul continues, he invites those who think that they're intelligent to speak up. See there in verse 20. He says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? So he's saying, give me your brightest, give me your biggest, your best, and I'll show each and every one of them up. Now, don't get me wrong, the wisdom of the world is impressive at times. It can put a man on the moon, but it can't put a man in the new creation. See, the wisdom of the world, it can transplant a heart, but it can't transform a heart. It can build skyscrapers that that reach to the heavens, but it can't take us in to heaven itself. 
See, our world is so impressed by people who can split atoms, but God is far more interested in splitting people's hearts with the message of the cross. See, Paul says, don't be fooled. Just because the cross appears foolish, it doesn't mean that it is foolish. See, verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent, I will frustrate. No, but between Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and every other person who's jumped on the bandwagon to say that there is no God, they have a message and it sounds convincing at times. They've got reams and reams of paper backing up their claims. And it appeals to the intellect. It looks wise and it looks powerful, but in the end it has no power. There's no wisdom in it. It doesn't give hope. In fact, it brings despair. It doesn't bring meaning and truth at all. It brings confusion and doubt. See, while the, the crucified Messiah may, sound, may not sound like much, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So the cross of Christ alone, God in our place, it's so wise it actually turns guilty sinners into adopted forgiven saints. The cross of Christ alone. Jesus, the wisdom and the power of God. And when you believe in that message, this seemingly foolish message, the cross gives us what we could never do. Verse 30. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Now, it may not have seemed wise to the world, but let me tell you how wise it really is, he says. It was actually able to give us righteousness. That is, that we've been made right with God. Holiness, that we've been set apart for God. And redemption, that we're able to serve God. I mean, who would have thought that a dead, naked Jew hanging on a cross 2,000 years ago would have achieved all of that? It's crazy, isn't it? It's the foolish message of the cross. It's a, it's a weak message. It's a foolish message in the eyes of the world. And if the cross is unimpressive, then so too are the Christians who believe it. So if you're willing to have a reality check, then read with me from verse 26. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things in the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify, that is to cancel the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So here's God's sense of humour, isn't it? God says, when I called you to myself, what were you like? Words like ordinary come to mind, average even, not, not so special. That's what you were. Take a long, hard look at yourself. Not many of you 
made it to the top. And it's not surprising really, is it? When the message of the cross is foolishness in the eyes of the world, so too then are those who follow this message. See, if the, the God's wisdom was the same as the world, he probably would go to, to Hollywood or uh, to Oxford, search out the people you might find in the, the Forbes rich list or those who grace the front of celebrity magazines and tabloids. But instead, God chooses the ordinary, the not-so-impressive. He chooses people like me, people like us. He turns the world's values on their heads and it's to show his power that he can bring those who have nothing and make them into something remarkable. And the message of the cross seems foolishness to the world. Christians look foolish to the world. And the ones who preach it seem foolish as well. It's a trifecta. You know, when Paul came to the Corinthians here in this passage, it wasn't with the wit of a stand-up comedian or the, the slick spiel of an Obama presidential address. He really wasn't a very good speaker. And the Corinthians were a tough crowd. Public speaking was an art form for them. And the bar was set pretty high. And Paul didn't make the cut at all. See, Paul describes what he was like when he came to them in chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I came in weakness, Paul says, with great fear and great trembling. I mean, this is the the great apostle Paul who, who witnessed the resurrected Jesus. And here he is, not so impressive. Paul's terrified of speaking to the Corinthians. I think just like most of us here this morning. But here's the thing. There are no great preachers. There's only a great saviour and a great message for great sinners. And the message of the cross is just as powerful from your lips as it is from the lips of Paul himself. See, when any of us speak of Jesus and him crucified to our family, to our friends, to our colleagues, we're preaching the message of the cross. The power of the message is the message itself and the God who stands behind that message. It's not in the skill of our speaking or our preaching to those people around us, how convincing we might be. And it's so, I think it's so tempting for, for Christians that when we talk to other people about God, we, we, we seem to emphasise those things that seem acceptable or a bit of a common ground for us. It's something that I, I know that I struggle with all the time. Even those times when I met, just managed to pluck up a conversation with someone to talk about Jesus, I tend to downplay the things that seem just a little bit awkward. You know, a, a bit hard to, to swallow maybe, that seem foolish, 
things that people might laugh at or dismiss, things that people might mock, like the cross. And instead, I think we, we tend to, you know, we talk about Jesus' teachings, that, that's okay, about what we can be like, about what society should be like. You know, treat others as you treat, would be like to be treated. Care, care for the weak, do good for others. But I think we, we tend to avoid the cross. I mean, these teachings, they're good things from God. But without the cross, Christianity is just another noble idea or just another excuse for a public holiday. It's only in the foolishness of the cross that anyone can be saved. So what can we do in response to the foolish message of the cross? Well, Paul gives us the answer there in verse 31. It's simple, really. He says, don't boast in yourself, boast in the Lord. See, there is nothing that any of us can can bring to God, can do, if anything, that the cross demonstrates our powerlessness. Even our best can't achieve God's foolishness, what his foolishness has done. So it's got nothing to do with our own success at all that we boast. We boast only in the Lord. See, look at verse 30 again. Verse 30. It's because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, a crucified Messiah who has become our wisdom, our right standing with God, our holy life before God, our redemption into God's family. So what is there for us to boast about there? That you saved yourself? No, not likely. That, that you worked out your own salvation? No, I don't think so. That you were the exception and that, that somehow you saved, you're saved because you're really good or something like that? Well, hardly. Our boast is in Jesus. That is the only boast that will truly endure. And that's so liberating, isn't it? If you really think about it, because it's not us who make the gospel powerful at all. It's Jesus. It isn't us that that transforms people. It's Jesus. It isn't us that engages people's heart with this message. It's Jesus who does that. You see the beauty of what Paul is saying here? It's not about us and it's not the dead weight that we bring. It's about him. Our boast is in God, in his wisdom, in his power, in Christ. So Paul wants us to know, he says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Resist the the urge to be silent because you don't want to look like a fool in the eyes of the world. See, he says, take confidence in what you have to offer. The world thinks that the gospel is foolish. Uh, Very few of us here are amazing speakers or know how to to answer every question that's asked. The, The world really thinks that the Christians don't have much to offer. But the crucified Christ who has made us who we are is the salvation and the hope of the entire world, even for them. So why not use this this silly season 
over Christmas, to, to talk to, to friends and to family, to work colleagues about Jesus. Not just to talk about the, the manger or the three wise men or the, the bizarre drummer boy, but about the cross. That only through Jesus can anyone find real peace and enduring life. Trust in the power of the crucified Christ. Endure in the face of those who laugh at you. Hold true to the cross. Because to alter the message of Jesus is to have faith that rests on our own wisdom and not in the power of God. I don't know about you, but that would be disastrous. The message of the cross is the power and the wisdom of God.